0: Good morning. Welcome to the Lunch Break Bible Study. 20 minutes to get you in the Word and get you on your way. 20 minutes so that if all the time you have today is just your lunch break, you can still study the Scriptures. Today we are continuing in Mark's Gospel. We're in Mark chapter 4. Jesus has just had another confrontation with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that accuse Him of uh, of having an evil spirit. Jesus then talks to them about the logical inconsistency of of that idea that Satan would be casting Satan out, but then he talks about the idea that a house cannot stand if it's divided against itself. In the immediate context, it seems like he may be talking about, again, their logical inconsistency, but I think in the greater context, Jesus is talking about whether or not the house of Israel will stand because it is divided concerning him. And then at the end of the chapter, Jesus continues on that theme of a household being united around himself, and when his mother and brothers are outside the house where he is trying to see him because they think he's gone crazy, Jesus looks at those who are gathered around him in a circle, and he says, here, the ones who are listening to my words are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus again goes, leaves that place, goes out of the house, and goes to teach by the lake. Now the last time he, has, he said, have a boat prepared in case the crowd gets so big that they crowd around me and I can't speak. This time he's actually getting into a boat and going out into the water because the crowd is pressed around him so tightly that he can't, he can't speak. So he gets out into this boat and is teaching them from the boat to the shore And this is where Mark begins with Jesus' ministry of parables. And he begins with this first one. It's a very famous one. You might know it as the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. And I'll paraphrase this a little bit. Jesus says, listen. And he says there's a farmer who goes out and starts scattering seed on the ground. You know, they didn't have wheat drills and combines and tractors. And if you wanted to plant seed on a field, you just had a bag of seed in your hand and you would just cast it into the field. And as this farmer was casting seeds everywhere, uh, some fell on good soil and some fell on poor soil. Some of the seed fell on the road where the birds came and, and snatched it away. Some would fall on soil that was very shallow, had a lot of rocks in it. And when the sun came out, even though these seeds had sprouted quickly, when the sun came out, there was no place for them to dig deep and to drink from the water underground, so they would wither and die. Other seeds fell in soil that was good for growing, but other things were growing there, thorns and thistles, and and they would choke out the good fruit that was being produced. And then finally, some seed fell on the good soil. And there it reproduced a crop 30 or 60 or 100 times what had been been sown. And then in verse 9, Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus began that parable with the command, Listen, that is to say, the ones who follow the command of Jesus, the ones who hear his word and follow him, these are the ones who have ears ears to hear this parable and understand it. But then he gets alone with the 12 and the others around. They ask him about the parables. And he told them, look, he says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And this is a little mysterious. We're going to unpack this. He says that he speaks in parables to those who do not listen to him so that, and he quotes Isaiah chapter 6 here, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And this is a really mysterious thing that Jesus is doing. But in order to understand it, we have to understand where that quote is coming from. We have to understand what Isaiah is doing when Isaiah has that quote in his own in, in his own book. So we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 6 to, to get a fuller context of what's going on here in the book of Isaiah. So you remember Isaiah is broken approximately into two pieces. There is Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 39, which is God using Isaiah to announce his judgment on the people of Israel to try one last time to get them re- to repent before, the, uh, before they are taken away into exile. And then there's chapters 40 through the end of the book of Isaiah that is about Jesus announcing to that people yet unborn, those people who were to come, announcing to them that God's rescue was coming for them and God had not forgotten about them. And we've already seen that part, that good news part. We've already seen that at the beginning of Mark's gospel uh, in John the baptizer's proclamation of the, the new beginning and, and everything is being made new and the Messiah has now appeared. But here Jesus is talking about the first part of, of, uh, of the book of Isaiah in chapter 6, where Isaiah is sent on a ministry of, of judgment and condemnation for a people that will not follow the word of God. Isaiah chapter 6, this is right after Isaiah's call, you remember that when he goes up into the throne room of heaven and he sees the angels and the cherubim and the seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is immediately after that. God is giving Isaiah his call. He's giving Isaiah his ministry. What are you going to be doing? And this is the part that Jesus is quoting. God tells Isaiah, go say to this people... Um, depending on your uh, depending on your translation, this is from the ESV right here. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. And he says to Isaiah, "Make the heart of this people." Depending on your translation, I like the King James here because it's very uh, the images are so uh, so vivid here. And the King James says, "Make the heart of this people fat." Make their ears heavy. You get this idea that, that they're sluggish in terms of they don't want to move. He says, shut their eyes. Why? Why does God say to do these things to these people? He says, I don't want them to see with their eyes. He says, do this to them. Make their eyes heavy and their ears, and their ears heavy and, and make their heart fat so that I don't want them to change. He says, do that because I don't want them to see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Now, that's rough coming from God, but that's the ministry that God gives to Isaiah. And the point of that is, is that God has already begun to judge these people. He has already entered into into judgment with them. It's too late. There's nothing more they can do. But he's going to send his word out because there are some who will listen, but some who will completely be obstinate. To the Word of God. Now take that forward into Mark's Gospel and what we've just been talking about, because Jesus, just before this, had been talking to the Pharisees and he said to deny the Holy Spirit, to blaspheme the work of the Holy Spirit, to say that Jesus is not from God that is something that will not be forgiven and so jesus is telling these parables and his disciples ask him why don't you just speak plainly why can't you just tell us what you mean and jesus says look i'm going to tell my followers what this is all about but for those who are not following me the fact that they don't understand this is a is a sign of god's judgment against them which is a really it's a really hard take for us to believe that that god yeah, you know, we think of being judged as God enters into judgment with people, and he only does that when you die. But here in, in Jesus' in Jesus's day and, and back there in, in Isaiah, God has already entered into his judgment against people. And this is how it's helpful to understand things like uh, how God hardens Pharaoh's heart back in the Old Testament. We say, well, what do you mean he hardens his heart? He doesn't allow Pharaoh the opportunity. You know, he doesn't let Pharaoh believe And the thing is, is God sent Moses to judge Pharaoh. He didn't send Moses to convert him. God entered Egypt with Moses in order to judge Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. So Jesus is doing the same thing with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and all those that think he's crazy or think that he is the devil incarnate. Jesus is doing the same thing. He is announcing his kingdom, but he's announcing it in such a way, just like Isaiah did, that the people who refuse him will never understand it. They'll never get it. Verse 13. So after, telling, after quoting this to uh, the disciples, he says to them, he says, Do you not understand the parable? And he says, If you don't understand the parable, how will you understand any parables? Right. So then he has to teach them. He has to teach them how to decode a parable. He has to teach them what that looks like. In verse 14, he starts, he says, the farmer is someone who is sowing not seeds, but the word, sowing the word of this kingdom. What Jesus said that he had come to do to preach. The farmer is one who preaches. He sows the word. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, remember the, the seed that was strewn on the path, the birds came and ate it up. It says, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, the first thing I want to do before we even get into the details of this, I want you to notice something, that the sower is not particular about where the word goes. He is flinging seeds everywhere. He's not pre-choosing what soil is good and what soil is bad. Because that's not how Jesus operates. He goes to fishermen. He goes to tax collectors. He goes to all the the sinners and the prostitutes and and, uh, all the the people who are not the experts in the law. They're not important. Jesus goes to them and he sows the word among them because he doesn't want the disciples to prejudge who God has chosen. But then the question comes up. Jesus says that Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And that's a little puzzling for us, because how can Satan do that? How can Satan take away something that Jesus has put down? And so I I, I puzzled over this, and I thought about this, and I thought about how we experience the devil working in in the world, and how the Bible talks about what Satan does. And I came up with kind of two things that this could be. Uh, First is the lie that Satan tells, that this word is simply not from God. Now, this is how Satan deceived the Pharisees, the elders, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the priests, all the important people, the the scribes. Uh, This is how Satan was fooling all of them. He said, this word is not from God. In our modern day, maybe it's Satan says that there is no word from God. Or maybe Satan says that there are many words from God and all of them are equivalent. Or maybe Satan says that there are many words, but who knows which one is from God Satan this is one of the ways that Satan does this he he, he he takes that seed, that word, that gospel of forgiveness and eternal life, and he says that's not from God. The second way that Satan works and this I believe is much more is is much tougher to deal with is that Satan lets you believe that this word is from God, but then Satan says that this word is not. For you, Satan says that you are not someone who God wants for whatever reason. Maybe you don't think that you're important enough. Maybe you think that there is something going on in the past in your life that this is not the kind of person God wants. But that's a lie from Satan because the sower is casting seed everywhere and he doesn't prejudge who can receive the seed and bear fruit. Why would you prejudge that you can't receive and bear fruit? The Lord calls all of us. It doesn't matter where we're from, what we've done, where we've been. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that the seed is coming and it wants to be implanted in your heart and there to bear fruit in your life. So that's the first kind of soil. Um, The the seed goes out into that that path and Satan tries to take, take it away from you. Verse 16, Jesus is talking about the, uh, the seeds that fall in the, in the rocky places where there's a little soil there and uh, nothing really grows there, so the seeds spring up quickly and the sun comes down and it beats down on the seeds and they wither and die because they have no roots to speak of, no place to get water from deeply. Jesus says this is like when the seeds get scattered and people hear this news and they receive it gladly, but then trouble comes or persecution comes, and they quickly fall away. In verse 18, Jesus speaks of a third type of soil where the seed can fall, where there is things, it's good for growth, but so much is growing there that the seeds can't find a place to to, uh, to spread out and to establish their roots and to receive the sunlight and uh, and to, they have to have, be in competition for the water from all the other plants. And he says the, those other plants, the weeds and the thorns, these are like the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things. They come in, they choke the word and make it unfruitful. And I think this last one, this third one, even though in verse 17, this idea about trouble or persecution, people fall away because of that, that is that is definitely a problem. But I, I think this third one in our North American context is the one that is so powerful for Satan, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Do you see how deceitful wealth is? I mean, we are the, in the United States, we are the richest people in the world And the richest in the history of the world if you have if you can go and get a cup and go to your go to your faucet and open the faucet and get clean drinking water right and if you can put food on your table we are you are better off than the people of Jesus's day many of them who had to actually pray for their daily bread and yet we're dissatisfied we're chasing the things of this world Being in this type of soil causes no end of trouble for the church, trying to remain faithful to Jesus. But verse 20, other people are like seed sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, they produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this, and that's a little confusing for us, because you see all the other terrible things that are going on, right? Satan is coming and snatching the word away from people. Uh, The deceitfulness and cares of this world are choking out the seed. Um, The the, the persecution and troubles are coming their way. And you think, how can that be the kingdom of God? Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is going to happen in the kingdom of God. And you say, how can that be? Because what the kingdom of God is in our time is this last piece that in spite of all of these things going on, in spite of all of the seed being sown in bad soil and the cares of the world and the trouble and persecution and Satan at work all over the place, in spite of all these things, this still happens. There is still fertile soil. There is still fertile soil for the Word of God to be sown and to bear much fruit. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Jesus said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No, don't you put it on a stand, right? So you put a lamp on a stand so that uh, the the light from the lamp diffuses all over the room. If you put it under a bowl, there's no light given from it. Who would do that? Jesus says, this is the point of me having you as disciples, right? I've lit you. I have given you this light. I have called you out of darkness don't hide this to yourself. Don't keep all the seeds in the bag thinking that, oh I, this is precious and I can't let this go. Don't prejudge where this seed is going and trying to determine who gets what. right He says, I put you, I, I lit you a, like a lamp and I'm putting you on a stand. I want to give light to everybody. He says whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, right? This is a secret of the kingdom of God. I'm giving it to you so that you can tell the secret. In verse 23, he said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, which means everyone who can hear. And even if you can't hear, we'll use sign language and, and writing to get it to you. Everyone should hear this. And that's where we're going to end today. We've got some more things to wrap up here, but I'm I'm running short of time. I'm super, super excited I got to be with you today. I, uh, last week was a short week because of the Thanksgiving holiday, and then we had some snow days here in in Kansas City, so my house was a little hectic. I haven't had a had a, had a great opportunity to to uh, to record a podcast, so I'm very excited to be back at it this morning. Um, if you could, if you could find me on Facebook, that would be wonderful. Like the page, and uh, you'll be updated uh, every time that one of these uh, one of these podcasts gets published. If you can find me on iTunes, give me a five star rating. Drop something nice in there uh, so that other people know how this is going for you, and that's that's very helpful. Um, when you see this on Facebook, like it, share it. This is super fun for me. I, I'm really surprised by how much fun I'm having with it, and I was just so frustrated for the last five days that I haven't been able to, to get something out. So I'm very happy to be back behind the microphone today. Uh, You can reach me uh, at uh, lunchbreakbiblestudy at gmail.com if you have any questions, and I hope you have a blessed day.